0: It's really footy time with Daniel Andrews, and as always, I'm joined on the other line by Johnny Raff. How's it going, Johnny?
1: Yeah, not too bad, Dan. Uh ready for some footy.
0: Yes. Got another big round coming up. So uh what's your most at stake for the round ahead?
1: Most at stake, well, Oh, would, well, uh, most sake or the doomsday scenario? Oh, uh,
0: yes, let's go to the doomsday, Just doomsday first. Doomsday
1: scenario? Well, the doomsday scenario is that Sydney beat the dogs at Marvel. Um, it's something, you know, they look pretty good against the, the Eagles and they, you know, getting accustomed to playing in Victoria, if they can do something like that, it might be similar to the uh, loss that the D's had uh, against the, the Giants. But look, the dogs are in pretty good form so this would be quite a doomsday scenario
0: (laughs) yeah i guess the swans have picked things up over the last few weeks and uh they seem to be have hit a bit of form so that'll be an interesting game to see what they can dish up
1: i like the way they're using the handball at the moment they're just uh moving the ball nicely through the midfield and yeah uh it's it's been a good season for them
0: yeah they really cut west coast up down at gmhba i think that's probably their least favorite ground in the league at the moment
1: (laughs) Uh, definitely
0: <laughs> <laughs> alright for me most at stake is pretty simple Melbourne so we did a lot of Melbourne content on the uh, weekly edition of the podcast they need a win and they need to show the AFL world that they're deserving of their lofty ladder position Uh, I don't think it's all doom and gloom if they lose this but you know we need to start steadying the ship one way or another, and it'll be interesting to see whether they can bring that pressure and intensity and uh, challenge a fellow top four team uh, on their home deck. So I think we'll learn a bit about Melbourne on Thursday night, it will be.
1: Um, It wasn't that long ago when we played a game at Adelaide Oval against Port. It may have been at the very start of the stage four restrictions uh, in Victoria. I'm pretty sure, right at the start of August. And it was one of our really putrid performances of the year. And (laughs) I really hope that they... Look, I'm not saying that they need to be reminded of that, but it's not always a happy hunting ground, uh, Adelaide Oval. Sometimes it is. Yeah, they played um, okay
0: over there. They played okay.
1: But, uh, yeah, look, I want Melbourne to show the footy world really just how far they've come since that day, or the night it was.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Port have definitely uh, been building over the last month, and I think uh, they're getting a few of their players back now as well. So this will be a big game for them as well. Just people are still doubting them in terms of having not really beaten uh, fellow top-four teams. So getting one over Melbourne would be a big scalp for Port as well. So this cuts both ways, but for us, I guess it's a bit more about Melbourne. (laughs) <laughs>
1: yes, of course of course.
0: Alright, let's jump into True or false The Tigers won't win The 2021 Premiership True or false, Johnny?
1: Well, I said uh, On Monday that uh, It was uh, True that they would Make the 8, I still thought the Tigers would make the 8 However I'm also going to go true for this question The Tigers won't win the twenty one twenty one 21 flag And you got to start with the injuries. I think Broad and Bolt are really, really important, and they're still TBC. Uh, if Grimes goes down again, I think it's Curtains. Then he's you know really sort of holding them together at the moment. Um, I'm not sure how far off Vancouver is, but him being out has really hurt the Tigers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just gives them that sort of different angle, I guess, um, in the ruck. And uh, look, there's some that say as long as they qualify for the eight, they're a shot. I don't. I'm not so sure about that. I mean, I wouldn't ever rule it out completely, but I think they'll make the eight. But after that, it's probably a different story. I think they'll. I just don't think they'll quite get the run they need with the cattle they need to yeah. make a full-on assault. And my prediction would be probably first round, maybe semi-final exit at best. But I just can't see them having that that cattle that they need at the right time firing to win four in a row. Yeah,
0: yeah, their backline's yeah. decimated. The midfield isn't getting the job done Mm. and the forwards are making hard work of it. So it's not rosy for Richmond at the moment. Like you said, they're every chance to still scrape into the eight, but they're not winning four finals in a row. So I think we can put a line through Richmond this year at least. Yep. All right, next one. The Giants are building the toughest midfield in the competition. So looking at their current on-ball contingent. They've got Callum Ward, who's uh, doing incredibly well. Just introduced Tom Green, as we talked about in uh, the weekly episode. Uh, they've also got Hopper and Taranto developing nicely. Uh, and this is all without Canelio, who may not even be able to get back into that midfield. And <laughs> I haven't even mentioned probably the silkiest player of the lot, Josh Kelly, who mm. is starting to hit somewhere close to his top form and I guess just to preface this a little bit more for a long time GWS was sort of uh, they got a bit of flack you know they picked and choose a little bit about yep. when they really put in you know a lot of effort through the midfield and uh, it seems to be changing they seem to be actually Putting in a really consistent effort over the last couple of months, and they're really hard to play against, as Melbourne found out on the weekend. So, what do we reckon? Are the Giants building the toughest midf- midfield in the comp, Johnny? True or false?
1: Oh, I love this question. <laughs> I think it's fantastic. Um, I, I was a look. I was gonna say false, just, but the question, that would be if the question was the if they are the toughest, yeah, yeah. the question is, are they building the toughest midfield in the comp? And I'm going to say true. I, I think they are. It, it's really close. I I think as it stands currently, I would still have the dogs as the toughest. Guys like Liberatore, McRae, Dunkley when he's up and running. Uh, you know, it's, it's That's a, <laughs> you know, Bont gets his fair share of contested ball. But I really think that, that's a good call. I think, the, I think the Giants are building the toughest midfield in the comp. You look at this. We, we spoke a bit about Tom Green. Uh, he's just an absolute jet, I reckon. Um, then you've got... looking. I was having a look at some of the stats that sort of matter in this area. You look at Taranto. He's 8th in tackles. You look at Hopper. He's 5th in, in clearances and 11th in contested ball. you got Callan Ward still running through there. Kelly... I think people forget just how tough Josh Kelly is because he's got the beautiful skill and he kicks beautiful in that. But, um, he's in top five, sorry, top 25 in tackles this year and top 50 for contested ball. Um, yeah, it's always been a trademark of the Giants midfield when they've been great. I think sort of those years between 2016, and 2018, they, they were a great contested ball side. Um, if, even if it wasn't obvious, but, uh, they have really put the pieces in place for this to be, yeah, to win the ball at the coalface for years to come.
0: Yeah, all these guys are very early draft picks, so they've got the skill for sure. And I think we've seen over that time, I mentioned that the toughness is definitely there. So they're developing really nicely. And uh, yeah, it's a pretty big piece of the puzzle for GWS when I guess people thought they were, you know, struggling a little bit after making the grand final in 2019, but having a pretty down year in 2020, missing finals.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, they're doing something right. They, they've got the structure there and the foundations in place. Uh, I wouldn't want to come up against them in, in a big final in a few years' time, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, so I think it'll be important for them to get another recognized Ruckman in. So Mumford can't keep doing what he's doing. Ever. <laughs> I know they've got a few other Rockmen on their list. They're relatively young. I wonder if
1: he can keep doing it for the rest of the season. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. But yeah. yeah.
0: But uh, yeah, like if that's the strength area without a semi-decent rockman, I think that's going to hold them back a little bit. So hopefully they can yep. get someone serviceable going forward.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: All right, let's talk a little bit about where things stand in the wider competition now. If the finals started this weekend, the Bulldogs and the Lions would be the top two seeds in that order. True or false?
1: Um. So if they started this weekend and it was based, I guess, on on form?
0: Yeah, basically form, yeah.
1: Oh, I'd have to agree, 100%. Um, and i think the lions you'd give the edge to because i just don't think there's a team in the competition right now that scores as quickly as they do they they've j- can just cut you up from pretty much every angle i mean you know the two talls denner's starting to kick goals uh, and charlie cameron is really in the all australian form that we've come to expect from him now um yeah i i think that's true
0: yeah brisbane are doing a lot right they've got Zach Bailey, even Marcus Adams down back is doing a lot of nice things.
1: It's been fantastic.
0: So, if they can finish top two, as we alluded to in an earlier episode, they're going to be in this premiership race up to their eyeballs. And uh, we know about the Bulldogs as well. They've, you know, probably been the one of the most dominant teams for the whole year, really. So, they've just been held off top spot for a while by Melbourne, but they've regained that. What's their percentage? It's Pretty close to uh, it's, 140.
1: It's, yeah, it's. I think it's about 136, I think.
0: Yeah, so oh, earlier yeah. in the season, that was up close to 150. They're really beating up on yeah. some teams. so, And we referenced this last week as well, just how well they play in games where the opposition isn't able to put enough pressure on. So they can really put you to the sword. I suppose, you know, with the Bulldogs they still haven't absolutely proved how well they're going to perform in really high pressure games like they played well against Geelong didn't quite get the win there it was a very intense game couldn't get the job done against Melbourne in another high pressure game so if there's one query on the bulldogs I still think it is you know how well are they going to play when they're being put under a lot of pressure especially through that midfield
1: yep yeah definitely um one more guy to mention is um, Lincoln McCarthy. Uh, fantastic game on the weekend. Uh, five marks and four goals.
0: Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it all finishes with the top four. So we've got the five teams competing for four spots really, isn't it? So mm. yep. uh, I think currently, is it Port, Geelong and uh, Brisbane? They're all on 40 points. Is that right?
1: Uh, Port Geelong, Brisbane on 44.
0: 44, yeah, yeah. Yes. And then you've got the Bulldogs in Melbourne one game ahead on 48. So, yeah, plenty That's of competition it. for those top four spots. And I think on paper, some of those teams have a relatively easy run in as well, particularly Brisbane, if memory serves me correctly. Uh,
1: Brisbane, I would say, has the easiest. Uh, Bulldogs don't have a bad one. Geelong's not too bad. Um, I think Melbourne's is definitely the hardest of all those. (laughs) So they'll be doing Uh, well to
0: finish top four.
1: Yeah, you will be doing very well. Um, But yeah, look, plenty of twists and turns left in the season and there'll be upsets.
0: For sure, for sure. All right, last one for today. The 2008 Grand Final was the biggest upset of the AFL era. So this was Hawthorne knocking off Geelong. I think they'd only lost one game... Through the regular season? Correct me if I'm wrong yep. there, Johnny.
1: No, that's absolutely right.
0: So true or false, is this the biggest upset in the AFL era? So this is from 1990 onwards.
1: It's funny because you, when you think about that question, you feel like there would have been another one. Like you just think, oh, no, nah, it couldn't have been that. <laughs> I mean, that was a big one. That was a big one, but maybe there was something else. But I don't know. It's It's almost impossible to say false when you really think about it. I mean... There's a few others that come to mind, such as the Bulldogs in 2016 over the Swans. Uh, uh, Maybe uh, Adelaide's second one in uh, 98 against North, which we've talked about recently. Um, But yeah, Geelong had lost one game in 2008 and were in absolute ripping form going into that grand final. And if you think about it for a second, we, we talked about the 2000 Essendon team last week. The Cats were one game away from being another version of that. So... Yeah, I'd say, I'd have to say true. I mean, there was, yeah. It was, yeah. The Cats I, I think so, everyone was shocked.
0: The Cats were so dominant through that 2007 2008 period, weren't yes. they? So obviously, the 2007 Premiership was the drought breaking Premiership where they absolutely caned Port in the grand final. Yep. I think it was over 100 points. Yep. And uh, 2008. It was really just an extension of what they'd, was an extension. what they'd done in 2007. I think that single loss during the season might have come to Collingwood. Um, yep. And, yeah, they were obviously highly favoured in that game, despite the fact that Hawthorne, too, had had a very good season. I think they may have finished third on the ladder. Um,
1: Second or third? Um People might forget Hawthorne actually won their first nine games of the season.
0: Yeah, so Hawthorne having a very good year as well, but I guess it was just kind of masked by the fact that Geelong was so dominant. And Geelong definitely had the better of the first half in that 2008 grand final. I think pretty yes. close to halftime was Cameron Mooney missing a couple of relatively straightforward set shots. and
1: One on the halftime, sorry. You
0: could see the agony written all over his face. He was so annoyed. And yeah. As we've talked about many times before, you can't give a good team too many chances. And Hawthorne hit back in a big way that second half. Can't remember whether it was... A th- I think it Might have been late in the third or early in the fourth where they really started getting on top. But uh, yeah, that was a really tough one to swallow for Geelong supporters. From
1: memory, there's that Buddy Franklin goal, I think in the third quarter that gave them the lead. And they never lost it after that. Uh, but yeah, it was... It was a really, it was it was a good grand final. It's probably not the best grand final we've ever seen, but it was a good one. And um, what came of this grand final was actually quite amazing, to be honest. I mean, uh, Geelong played one of the all-time great grand finals the year after and ended up winning. Uh, the Kennett curse began and <laughs> went through till about twenty thirteen. Uh, that that was a big deal. Um, even just little things like. Um, you know, Shane Crawford's that's what I'm talking about moment. That was like immortalised as maybe the most memorable moment on a premiership dice. Yeah. And uh, and Trent Code never played again. Uh, he uh, got that foot injury and he, tried, oh, he was still on the list in 09, but uh, nah, they just couldn't get up.
0: Yeah, I do remember it being a very good game. I probably should go back and watch this one, actually. But uh, yeah, I think Everyone's just expecting Geelong to win this. And obviously you would expect a team who's only lost one game for the year to win. But yeah, just the way Hawthorne did this. And I think from memory, Stuart Dew was very influential as well. They brought him over from Port, putting a lot of pressure on. He was almost Superman there for a 15-minute stretch. He couldn't do anything wrong. Oh, uh, fantastic. Driving the dagger in there. So just going back to whether this is the biggest upset, I think probably on paper, yes, despite the fact that uh you know, Hawthorne had finished in the top four. The two others that stood out for me, you've already mentioned one of them, that was the ninety-eight uh game, Adelaide versus North. North were the dominant team that year. Adelaide had finished fifth, actually got beaten by Melbourne in the first round of the finals, but still yes. managed to stick in there. So I think that's that's definitely one of them, and uh, probably the other one was perhaps just the two thousand and one bombers over uh, losing. I thought you were going to say that. Yeah, I thought you were going to say that. Losing I was actually thinking
1: that maybe. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Sort of lions getting them there.
1: Yep. No, Essendon were in a very similar position to Geelong, I guess. Uh, they were the standout team that everyone was chasing. So. That was a massive upset,
0: but yeah, I guess it's very close, isn't it? Maybe, it is. maybe the maybe Adelaide won just because they had finished outside the top four. I know they were the defending premier, but North was seen to be so far the superior team. I think maybe on paper that's actually the bigger upset.
1: The way North were playing in that last, I'd say, yeah, six or seven games that season, they were just on a North and Wayne Carey were just on another planet. They were far and away the best team. And, um, yeah, just so inaccurate in that game. And, yeah, Adelaide got them.
0: Yeah, so I guess those are probably the two. The Adelaide North and this one here, Hawks and Geelong. Probably pretty hard to split those two.
1: Going, It's going back a little bit, but... Um, Maybe West Coast's first one as well, because um, Geelong finished top of the letter that year. And I think that a lot of people say that was probably their best chance of winning a flag in the 90s um, with the side they had. Um, that could have been seen as a, maybe not the biggest upset, but that was a bit of an upset. Yeah,
0: definitely an upset. All right, so I guess we've kind of already covered this, but who are you taking as the biggest upset? Adelaide North or Geelong Hawthorne?
1: Oh, Um uh, look, I have to go Geelong Hawthorne in the end just because of Geelong's win loss record that year. Um that that's probably the worst place to be as a fan or a player or anyone involved with a footy club, I reckon. Um if you've you you've lost one game, maybe two, or you or you've gone through undefeated in any sort of sport, whatever. And um it's all down to that last game, and you fail. Like, you can't live it down. You, there's no turning back. Like, even, I'm sure it hurts Geelong fans 13 years later, and if they could change one thing, they they would change that. Um, obviously, they're happy with the other ones they got, but um, that one will always burn.
0: All right, yeah, so just to balance things up, I guess I'll go for... Adelaide North as being the biggest upset of the AFL era all right well that's all we've got for you today guys thanks again Johnny for jumping on the other line and thanks to you guys for listening enjoy the footy goodbye